Welcome to Weirdo Magnet. This is Kelly. It's been a little while. Um, just recording this intro, but um, this actual episode I did a few months ago with my friend Sarah Selena, who is also my hairdresser, but now we're friends in real life. And um, we just did a whole episode. It was got a little rambly, but I'm going to leave it unedited because that was the real conversation and life is not a soundbite. So Hope you enjoy it, and um, that's all I got. Talk to you later. Weirdo Magnet Test. Hello, everybody. Say something, Sarah. I had the time of my life. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Weirdo Magnet. I'm Kelly and, and I'm here with Sarah. Say hi, Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah Selena. <laughs> first time we've ever had someone's last name. Congratulations. Thank you. It's the first time for I'm everyone's first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody, we're back. Uh, not that, you know, we left, but who cares? <laughs> no, I'm still in the same spot. Uh, yeah, so Sarah and I are going to um, just wing it today. I don't really have a specific topic in mind rather than. Um, other than creativity in general, because uh, Sarah and I met because she is my hairdresser and friend now, because we she's been cutting my hair for like since two thousand eight or seven or six. I want to say seven, maybe so. Yeah. So Sarah cuts my hair and makes it look awesome. And um, more importantly, we have actually just. We just like to talk. Yeah, we're just very blabby when I'm in the chair, so we decided to do it in a more formal podcast setting, so we got me and Sarah and Scout. And I have to say, this is like the first time Kelly and I will be talking, and we're looking at each other directly (laughs) in the eye and not through the mirror, because usually we stare at each other in a mirror, so I almost should have brought a mirror. So we could look at each other through a mirror. Yeah, so it's not awkward. This is, this is the, it's a little different. A little bit. Yeah, it's, um. I mean, it's more direct contact, yeah. which, you know, is more uh, intimidating a little yeah, bit. But a little bit. when we look through the mirror, it's totally different. So I'll just pretend we're looking through the Well, mirror. also, usually you're like, I'm just sitting there. You're cutting my hair. You're doing a job. And I'm just like hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am getting paid for it. That's true. So you deserve to hang out. <laughs> That's true. The first time, actually, um, one of the first times when I went to your old salon, uh, which we're not going to name because they suck. But anyway, I was there and I got really nervous because, you know, uh, it's in Birmingham and it was like kind of high end. And the guy was like, oh, do you need something to drink? And my heart started pounding like, holy shit, I'm somewhere where they're going to give me like free coffee or water. I'm like, I couldn't like, then you just lead into it. (laughs) Yeah, I will. Thank you. Could you give me some water with lemon? And I think at that, I think at that song you got Birmingham's finest, the tap. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the salon I'm at now, you actually get a bottle of water. Yeah, I did get a bottle of water. I've also <laughs> had wine in your chair before. Yes, which is always good. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to my cousin Mackenzie right now because we're drinking her wine from oh. Rove Estates. Oh, cheers, cheers to that. In Traverse City, we're drinking the, I can never say the word, Gertzenreimer. Do you know that word? I don't. Okay, I'm not very good with wine. It um, sounds German. <laughs> probably is. But I know nothing, I know, I know not zero German, so I don't know. But um, I've been like hearing about your cousin's wine for a while, obviously. And yeah. I'm, I'm like excited that you brought it in. You gave me some cider a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have good cider too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was nice of me. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us just make eye contact yeah, together, it's, like it's, real. It's okay. eye, this is getting intimate. I know. We haven't I'm even glad, had dinner yet. I'm glad you lit the candles. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Um, I don't even know where to start. So we could start anywhere. Yeah. So why don't you tell me then? Um, what do you like about cutting hair? And/or I guess more less specific. Um, cause I'm a writer and you're also a musician and you cut hair. So I guess if you don't know specifically what you like about cutting hair, maybe what do you enjoy about having a job that forces you to be creative? I say force gently, but <laughs> I, well, and I think you're in a similar position yeah. too with your, with your, um, title, you have to, you know, be serious and creative all at the same time. But, um, ultimately I would say, um, I'm really fortunate. The number one thing I love is being able to be creative and have rewards for it and autonomy for it. I think that's like one of the most important things. Like when I was going to um, university, I was not having any um, gratification from uh, any of the classes I was taking. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I was good at cutting hair and I wanted to uh, pursue styling hair because it, it fit everything that I needed, um, complexity, autonomy, rewards, but most importantly, um, human interaction, which is why I love always spending time with you because uh, I find everyone's journey through life fascinating. And uh, I get to hear so many stories on top of helping people look and feel beautiful and be creative. Um, I get to hear so many stories and I think that, uh, hearing somebody else's story is a, a really fascinating thing. And, um, and that's probably one of the things that drew me closer to doing hair as a job for sure. That, um, obviously my job is totally different. Um, for people that don't know, I'm an advertising copywriter, but, um, on my spare time, I like to write memoir and I like that for the same reason, because I like, not only my story, it's all about me. <laughs> I like, I like people's stories. Like I like yeah. to read memoir, especially if it's like a gut wrenching book. Like I was reading. Um, so one of the secret service agents that protected Jackie Kennedy and John F. Kennedy, he was there the day he was shot. So obviously this whole book is about that. Well, you know, the book's going along. It's just fine. Well then Dallas is coming. Oh, we got to go to Dallas. I'm like, Oh no, you know, slam close the book. <laughs> Um, yeah. He lived for an extra two weeks, but I mean, sometimes I enjoy that stuff because even if it's like a horrific story, obviously you know that there's some triumph at the end, and I don't know, it's real. And I, I am drawn always to authenticity, yeah, and people being real and um, and being real with each other. And I think that that's like one of the biggest things I think that people are lacking, like 
even the, the younger generations I, I worry about, but um, human interaction and um, uh, sharing stories, like personal stories, funny stories. You and I have laughed, cried, and then laughed because we cried. Yeah. And I think that it's fascinating. I think that um, when you are with somebody in an intimate environment, you get the chance to, um, it's almost like having a screenplay in front of your face or a, a book in front of your face, memoir, whatever. So I think like being a hairstylist, um, it, it fulfills a lot of those um, parts of my personality that I, I love because I, I love hearing what somebody else is going through good bad the ugly it doesn't matter it's just all fascinating and it's um it's uh the creativity part of it of course is what keeps me in my flow and my stream of consciousness and uh that sort of thing but um i think uh you know listening to other people's stories is is huge and connecting with people in general touch feel you know yeah you and i this is the most intimate you and I've been together and, and we're further apart than we usually are. Right, I'm yeah. usually right on top of you, but yeah. because we're looking at each other's eyes, it's a different intimacy. And, and I, and I, I enjoy that. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think you've ever been to my house before, right? I've never been to your house. I'm, I'm so glad that we both are like exactly coordinating with our outfits <laughs> leggings and a hoodie yeah it's monday people we're tired so i wore this to the gym well i wore normal clothes to work and then i put this on it because i work out during lunch and then i didn't change I've just been wearing it all afternoon i wear this all weekend so it's like <laughs> <laughs> i changed my panties so that's yeah good, right? <laughs> that's important that's, yeah um scout yeah our dog my dog scout is here scout would you like to say something oh hold on dinner's pause Okay, we're back. Had to pause for the dinner bell. We're going to have my grandma Gotchel's sherry chicken. It's delicious. That's really why I came over today. I was like, you know what? I love my wife, but she just doesn't cook. So so Kelly said there was dinner involved. I said, for sure. Side business. I'll cook for lesbian couples that don't want to cook. You should. And then I can deliver it. couples that have a kid that just wants them to cook. No, we cook. It just takes, it's like a 10 minute meal. It's like you go and pick some stuff up from holiday market and then you pretend you made it. Yeah, I gotcha. That's our cooking. I more cook like on weekends, like because when I have more time. This particular dish is kind of fast. That's where my creativity stops. It cooking or food? Yes. Uh-huh. I have no interest in, in, in cooking or food or anything like that. Yeah, I would say my creativity, I can, I do cooking. I'm, I like way too many weird things. Like I have random tangents like, oh, now I'm into making my own body butter. And then I do that for a while. Then I do. Um, the so, nail thing. You did the nail the thing. Jamberry. Yep. I did those for a while. Um. And actually, you do make it. I don't even know what you're talking about. I see you all the time making and posting, like <laughs> dinners and dinners. And I, I do. Always think I post. I'm jealous. You do, and you're like, uh, when can I come over? I'm like, anytime. Yeah. Like yesterday, I made homemade potato leek soup. Quit, quit. You're already <laughs> bragging about yourself. <laughs> We're like four minutes in, so you're already bragging. I'm amazing, Sarah. Obviously, it's obviously why. that's why I'm here. Obviously, that's why I'm single. 
you're single because you're picky. Uh, uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Most people are, right? I don't know if I'm this picky. Is a whole nother yeah, subject, this is a, it's like, I don't even know if I'm picky so much as I'm asking for pretty basic things. Like, people do not. Uh, like, no crazy. Well, no, you want crazy. A little. Not even crazy, but like, people don't even know how to have a conversation. Back to your other point about, yeah. you know, younger people connecting, like, I'm on a dating app, and I will say, the person, they preliminary already liked you, so presumably you've got a safe audience to respond to this person. So I send a message, hey, how are you? And then the person answers me, but that's all. They don't say, blah, 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 and how are you? Like, I'm asking for a pretty basic back and forth, and they can't even get that. I gotta say, I'm actually quite jealous of everyone that is on a dating app right now. I mean, trust me, I'm very happily married. I love my wife more than ever. I have 11 years of being with the same person, but I miss that whole opportunity of the dating app and not just like the match.com or whatever, but the Bumble, the Bumble, whatever that's called. I'm on Bumble. Tinder. I think it's so fun. I just want to create people's like profiles. I'm going to give you mine. You can just steer my ship for a while. Let's try that. And if see. you're in my chair and I, and I, I have, I've swiped so many times for people. It's so much fun. <laughs> so I missed that. But yeah, it's, um, I, you know, you're, I think you're single because you're eccentric and you're not looking for somebody who isn't just like you. Well, I also you're think a special kind of gal. Thanks. I also think it's because if, if they're not going to be right, I'll just be by myself. I, I'm independent enough that I, of course, I'd like to meet someone. But if I don't, I would rather be alone than be with someone who's going to make me miserable. What is the point of that? Well, absolutely. <laughs> a good book, maybe. A good, right. a good, a good sad memoir. <laughs> I am going to actually, speaking of memoir, I'm going to, um, you know, the National Novel Writing Month for November. It's called like NaNoWriMo, whatever it's called. I, can I never, know nothing about it. Okay, well, um, every year it's national, November is National Novel Writing Month, and the cool abbreviation for it is like, no, nay, no, naimo, rimo, whatever it is. But basically, the point of it is that every day you have to write, and you have to write a certain word count. And then by the end of the month of November, you'll have a complete novel. Like, you don't go back and edit it, you don't do anything, you just turn out stuff. You know, so it's a straight up that accountability. Type. Yeah, That's kind of really like cool. kind of like my workouts that I um, people probably hate, but whatever. No, I love it. Oh, I'm going to keep doing it because it and helps me. You're like, I mean, your leggings make mine look very boring. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I think that's huge because I would actually like that. I don't write as much. I mean, because. My job, I love my job as a hairstylist, but I'm also, like you said, I'm a musician. I um, I have a, a play treatment in the works for a client of mine um, who's a Broadway uh, play producer. I have um, a screenplay that I'm in the works with and a book I'm in the works with. Nothing gets finished. Right, that's what happens to me. So I'm going to challenge you then. I'm going to put you but on the spot. We've been saying this for about right. four but years. I'm going to put you on the spot because it, it mine has to start on Friday because that's when the national. So it, why don't you do whatever you're going to do. You're going to either do your book or your play, something, and you have to do something. You have to just post something every day for 30 days. Now, I can't post it, but I could probably send it to you or something you, like you that. You could do that. Because um, 
proprietary (laughs) secret information you're secretly like cia yeah like it's very you know people could die if they heard some of the information right i could tell you but i'd have to kill you (laughs) yeah exactly no um, well, that would be cool. I'm trying to, I just tried to get my mom because she said she wanted to do it. My mom is an artist. She does pastels and she does watercolor and she's phenomenal. And she's like, and I say this to her and she goes, I guess. Oh, when? Friday? Oh, okay, I guess. Like she was all grumpy about it. But I was like, mom, you don't have to do it. She's like, oh, I'll do it. But just every creative person I know because you need the push. Yeah. Because I have to write all day for work, but I write you know, marketing speak and headlines and all of that. And so by the time I get home, I mean, I guess they're all just excuses, right? Damn it, you stupid timer. Sarah, you can keep talking. I got to go. Well, I know what you mean. I, I, I think that like half of um, any artist, whether you're a painter, whether you're a musician, a writer, you could be the most talented writer, the, the best painter in the world. Unless you have the the determination to 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 keep going and and the ritual and and that's um that's something that I learned from uh, my partner uh, my wife Danielle is um I mean if you're gonna write or be a writer you have to read you have to write it has to be a, a ritual and so. It's one of those things that, it, you know, I think that kind of a month, like, I don't know the abbreviation you said, what it was called, but, you know, that kind of a, um, that kind of a month to hold people accountable is important because I think that it, it's, it starts a ritual. And I think whenever you have a ritual, whether it's, you know, with the weight loss program, whether it's with meditation, whether it's with, you know, I'm just going to, you know wake up 20 minutes early and stretch and have coffee before bed or before I go to work, it's, it's a ritual. And I think that that's important. And and like, that's the one thing I don't do. And I I have always struggled with that, I think in my life. And, And then that's like the biggest deal that I have to work on is having a ritual so I can get things done. And I think with my mind, because I, my mind is all over the place and I have like a major, um, attention issue, which is wonderful. I actually love that about my mind is I am thinking about 14 things right now. Same. However, <laughs> it's like well, you have to hone it in. And I think if you have that ritual, if you're forced to have a ritual in the morning, whether it's getting up and writing, whether it's getting up and reading, it's, it's very important or going to bed and writing, going to bed and reading, Having that ritual is very important, especially within that art that you're doing. It's um, I always notice I get really sad or really depressed or, you know, um, unhappy with myself because um, whatever it is I fall away from, let's say going to watch music, like I'll go months and months and months without seeing one live show or even listening to new music. I'll, I'll be listening to the same music or just no music at all. And it's like, you know, how can I be better at being a musician if I'm not listening to old or newer stuff? How can I be a better writer if I'm not reading and writing every day? Whether I throw those thoughts away or not, 
I think you have to have a ritual. And I think, you know, that month that whatever that and NAMO or NAMO or whatever. National Novel Writing Month is the spelled out version. I have yet to been able to pronounce it. I've tried it twice and failed it twice. I'm not going to try it at all. I'm going to let you do it. But I think that's a, a cool month because I think a lot of us, there's so many talented people creatively that it's it's unbelievable. But I don't if you don't practice the um, practicalities of things too, which is waking up and doing the work, you know, whether it's reading, you know, books similar to what you like, whether it's writing, you know, whether it's a stream of consciousness, whatever. I think, I think the most important thing is actually sitting down and being the person that you want to be. And that's what I struggle with as a creative person, period. I mean, not so much with my work life, it, 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 you know, with hair, I go to classes all the time and I, and I, I right, my education and I do all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, as a, uh, as a writer and um, let's just say as a creative person that has like multiple projects that are, good I don't push myself to finish it's because I'm not sitting down and making the time for it and it's because I have not the discipline and I think a a month like that is kind of cool I think it's equally as cool as a breast cancer awareness month or a mental illness awareness month or uh black history awareness month i think you know something like that just makes you aware like okay if you're a creative person and you're in tune with it because most of us are creative but we're not in tune with it right yeah how many times growing up did did i got this often hey kelly you're weird (laughs) which is why my podcast is called weirdo magnet but kids would like i remember specifically i was on the playground i was in fifth grade my parents had gone, now granted, my parents are both creative. My mom's an artist. My dad ran a tree business, but he also was like artistic. Like he would write and other things. And he just in general was like a quirky dude. So my parents go on vacation. I'm in fifth grade. So what is that? Like 10 or 11. He brings me back a t-shirt from this famous bar in Key West. It's Ernest Hemingway is on the front, right? Cool. So I'm wearing it at school. I think I am the shit. Like I'm in fifth grade, you were, you were. And, and I'm in. I'm on the playground, and all these girls like circle me because fifth grade is when things start getting like you know Hormones, you're yeah. weird, you're blah blah blah, and they're like, "What's on your shirt? You're so weird. Who's that old guy?" And instead of like being like ashamed, I was like, "Are you stupid? It's yeah. Ernest- <laughs> I'm like it's Ernest Hemingway." Duh. And they're all looking at me and I'm like, Ernest Hemingway, he's a writer. And they still, they weren't getting it. And like, it clicked right then. Like, all right, you're not my people. You don't get it. Like, I just got to get through junior high. You would have done well with Ernest Hemingway. (laughs) And you know what? On top of that, isn't he lucky? That guy could drink himself to an oblivion and he gets smarter. Like, I... I write stuff when I'm drunk and it sounds real profound. And then I wake up and I'm like, what the hell is Same. that? I, I get dumber when I drink, usually, all the time, I think. Like, it's like some people, Hemingway is a perfect example of that because he can actually, like, write while he's drinking and intoxicated. It's like, it's almost like he had to settle his brain down. He was a, he was a genius. And you were 
very cool for having that on the playground. <laughs> well, I got a lot of shit. So then years later, I asked my dad. He was going back to Florida because he used to go every year. And I go, Dad, you going to Key West? He's like, yeah. I go, could you get me another one of those shirts? Because now it's nostalgia. I'm like in my 20s. And he's like, you think I'm going to go all the way to Florida and get you a shirt? I go, you know you're going to. Could you just get me one? So he comes back with this shirt. And I'm like all excited because I think, oh, cool. It, I pull it out. And really, it's a slippery one left by Bon Jovi. No, though. it was. It said <laughs> "Slappy Rita." Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> he said, "He said, well, I go. What happened to the Ernest Hemingway shirt?" He goes, "Well, this one looked more girly." I go, "Dad, I can't wear a shirt that says Slappy Rita' on it." He goes, "Why not?" I go, "I don't want to talk about it." <laughs> 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 I could have like went into some detail, but I just was like. Cool, thanks. And then um, I use it for a painting shirt and didn't. And that's perfect. It's fine. That's perfect. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that like a lot, I think, you know, going back to, you know, creativity and, and accountability and um, what you're doing and what you're challenging your mom to do. And I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to take this on. But I. I you're not. I, I don't know. You, you know me well enough. I if I push you, I don't yeah, know. You've bullied me I'm in your chair. I'm shaking in my in my Nikes right now. If you weren't scared, you would be crazy. I'm terrified, but really, all I have to do is show up every day and write yeah. something. It doesn't even have to be good. You know, Anne Lamott, she's a writer, but she she wrote a famous. Have you read the book? It's called Bird by Bird. No. Okay. No. So, anyways, it's a really good book on creativity. You should get it, or if I can find my copy, I'll lend it to you. But anyways, but you can't lend me a book. Why? This is, everyone who knows me knows that you can't lend me a book. You can keep going. I gotta turn off the dinner. Oh, is it going so? Yeah. Oh. We well, can't lend me a book, and I'll tell you why, because I'll ruin it. My mom said the same thing. I um I bend the covers. I I coffee, wine drips. Everyone that I borrowed a book from gets very upset with me. I have to buy them a new book. So Okay, so I will send it to you, but I'll tell you where people can give me the people can give me the book, but they can't loan me it because it will not come back the same. Hey Sarah, can you stop on that now? Okay, we're recording again. All right, so we don't know where we left off. <laughs> that sounds like two creative people. Someone yeah, else's right, problem. Yeah. We need a project manager. Uh, oh, do you yeah, get back on task? Accountability. That's probably why I forgot. Yeah. Because um, I'll, I'll try, you know, because I lately I've been watching my wife every morning have a ritual. And every morning she makes a French press, you know, she will, first of all, she takes her son to school and she makes French press coffee, brings it up to me, brings it up to herself and dog and Oscar likes to, you know, have some of her cream. And, uh, Oscar's you know, the dog, by the way, not their house husband. Yeah, no, no, yes, he is my dog. Yes, <laughs> he's, 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 he's a, um, a child dog. Yeah. Um, but no, she, she has like a ritual that she does every morning. And I've been really wanting to do that because what I do is a half an hour before I'm like have to leave, I get up in a tizzy and it's just like, Right. I used to do that, too. And then I was reading this book on creativity called The Artist's Way. Uh -huh. What you're supposed to do with The Artist's Way. Let me tell you what you're supposed to do and then what I actually do. But I still feel like what I actually do is still better than me doing what I used to do. So 
uh, which is also creativity is all about like, well, screw it. I'm going to do this now instead. And that's fine. But anyways, the idea is that every morning you write morning pages. So you get up, you know, before you have, well, you can have coffee while you're doing it. But basically before you start your day, you get up a half an hour before you're supposed to get up. You write in a morning journal and it's just like, Stream of consciousness. It doesn't yeah, matter. Therapeutic. Right. It doesn't yeah. matter what you write. It's kind of meditative, actually. So Very. I used to do that. Well, now I don't always do that, but I still I'm kind of in the habit now of getting up like a half an hour before so that I can just sit here and chill and have coffee. And like I tend to look at social media, which is probably riding my brain as opposed to growing it. But well, it, it's, it's setting that time for whatever you want to do. And, and yeah. I read in this, my it's it, I stole it from my acupuncture Um my acupuncturist, he I, he probably hates me because I steal all of his magazines, but I don't steal my ask for them. But um, Why don't anyway, you just get a subscription? That's a good idea. But <laughs> Maybe we'll talk to Danielle, your wife. Afterwards, but... <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is a month old. Can I have it? Um, <laughs> I, I think he has no other, you know, answer other than yes. But um, there's Mindfulness Magazine, which is a really awesome magazine. I don't know if anyone, if you've heard of it. But I have not. Um, it's a really cool, they have great articles on just mindfulness in general, but there was, um, this one, uh, section of the magazine where they talked about, you know, your ritual in the morning and whether it's like you get up and you make your coffee or your tea or hot, you know, lemon water and you hold it and you think about how it feels in your hand and how good it feels and, and what, you know, how happy you are to have that, like, you know, hot beverage in your hand. And, and then they talk about maybe spending either five, 10 minutes, just putting the pen to the paper. And, and no matter what you say, it doesn't really matter. You could write your own name, but the fact that you're just writing something actually creates like a um, synopsis in your brain that, um, that is so good for your cognitive brain that it um it it triggers your brain to actually develop develop more and they were saying that like it's one of the biggest things that you could do in the morning in your practice of having a ritual is writing things down absorbing how you feel about your coffee like you know lately danielle's been dropping my coffee off i'm drinking it cold because i'm not waking up so i have no feeling about my coffee (laughs) And, you know, she's enjoying her coffee, and so is Oscar. Right. You know, because she puts whipped cream on it and lets Oscar have half of the whipped cream. And, and they're enjoying their coffee, and I'm sleeping in, and I'm, like, waking up, and I'm drinking my coffee cold. It's not the best way to start your day, you know. And I think, like, creatively, I think it's it, it's important to, like, notice all those little, like, nuances of um, things that you experience. And I sometimes go about my day without doing that in the very beginning. You know, that was Scout. That wasn't me. <laughs> but the uh, there's a book called Fruit Flesh, and uh, one of my old roommates gave it to me. It's um, I, I forget who it's by, but it basically um, the author talks about like doing things like a simple little uh, exercise of like taking time to eat a strawberry, like. You know, spend time touching it for five minutes. Spend time smelling it for five minutes. Spend time, you know, eating it for five minutes. Yeah. Well, well, when you do something like that, you all of a sudden have 
15 minutes worth of, um, of actual, you know, thoughtfulness that you can write about something because you're spending that time thinking about it. And I think a lot of us just get up and start going. And I think mindfulness, I think it is probably one of the biggest things that I want to start incorporating into my creativity because I haven't been for a while. I've been, you know, uh, trying to fit it in rather than have it be a, a structural thing That's in my life. Point. Yeah. Just more, even as important as work, you know, waking up and just having that time set aside for whatever it is. Yeah. And I don't know if this will make sense to you, but as a creative person, I kind of overflow with empathy. And so sometimes I feel too much shit and I don't want to feel it. So then I distract myself and my brain with all these other things. So I actively seek out the opposite of mindfulness Wow! Yeah. because I don't want to like, feel I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember, um, my friend that brought us together in Nevada, she died. Yes. Um, sorry to start oh, that. How long ago? No, I mean, this year. Well, this year. Yeah, you're the queen of just dropping <laughs> that bomb. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone's the queen of Ooh. dropping that bomb with least expected. That's why I'm single. That's why right it there. Is. Just I, I don't I don't go for small talk. Uh, uh, <laughs> weirdo magnet. Yeah, she died. Um, this year is ten years. Yeah, it was and it like, was just recent, like right? October third, like, 3rd, ago, or like two uh, weeks ago? a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh God, there was a point to that. Oh, so when Nevada and I met at work, and every like whenever you know, I we worked at a large ad agency for Ford's ad, um, Ford's advertising agency. So there was probably you get product placement for that. <laughs> there was probably Scout, stop licking the coaster. Uh, there was probably 1,500 people that worked there. So then every once, probably at least once a week, like a, it would say sympathy in the subject line. And somebody at work had died or their aunt died or whoever. And I was compelled every time to like read it. And then like I would feel, Nevada was like, finally was like, why do you keep reading that? Because then you're all sad for like 45 minutes about somebody you don't even know. But that's just how I am. I just. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, it was, but it, it does hurt you at yeah. some point because like, but I can't turn it off. No, so, I, but I know I, a lot of people like that. But so turning I, it off is, or turning it around. Right. Well, because, so then. But I'm no psychiatrist, honestly. Right. Well, I have my own <laughs> for my early 20s, I was more cynical than I am now because I was just um hardened to it because it just hurt too much but now I feel like the more vulnerable you can be the more brave you actually mm -hmm. are and it's a lot harder to be like hey I'm struggling I need some help as opposed to like oh I got this and like just be angry well and don't you think like and we've had so many talks and we've had talks about Nevada we've had talks about our struggles with getting our shit together and finishing a damn book or a project or whatever Yes, you've you know. threatened me. You're like, um, I actually know some people. Could you actually like do something? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And I think about that because like one of us could just exit the earth anytime soon. So yeah, that's partially why I need to like hurry the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the, the thing is, is I think empathy is like actually a really beautiful thing, but like it's, it, if it, if it takes you down and that's, um, if you could find a way to like, that's what I find when I write like that's like if I'm upset or angsty or whatever when I write that that shit goes away because that energy is utilized into like I was gonna say characters but since I write about real people it kind of stirs it up even more since I was like trying to write about Nevada 
And I was writing about her and this was a couple years ago. I think it was like last year. And then I just kept crying and I'm like trying to type, but I'm crying. So I finally like text my friend who's also a writer. I was like, what do I do? She's like, write through the tears. But you, I, I don't know, stupidly you think, oh, it's been long enough. I won't cry. I'm always going to cry. And, and she died. Tra- she died tragically young and she shouldn't have died. And uh, I don't know. I it, it really took me out for a couple years, but I, I think she was your, um, she was, I think from what I noticed with you guys, um, not to get like teary myself, but she was your rock. Yeah. My therapist told me that my reaction to her death was similar to how one would feel if their spouse died. Yeah. And obviously we didn't have, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. We didn't have a uh, romantic relationship, but in every other aspect for sure. And she was not a person who was just going to like hand that over. Like yeah. that girl did not like small talk. No, until the, the... Are you kidding? She didn't even like, like, <laughs> yeah, she didn't even like, like, don't get too serious on me talk. Yeah. But you know what's interesting, and I'm going to turn this around because we're going to start crying, um, and that's okay, too, but do you know that everybody, like, I, I, I started um, having this thought when I was driving here today, and I was, like, thinking about what we were even going to talk about, because I, I love that I went into this. I'm like, Danielle's like, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's probably better that way because I don't want to be scripted. But um, Nevada, and this is all about creativity too. Creativity is is thoughtfulness. Creativity is um, like, like something that like is individualized, right? Like we all have something about us and, and it's in our insides and it's in, in whether or not you notice your creativity or whatever, but it draws you to other people. And what I notice is that um, everybody that I've met through Nevada is a very interesting person. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I like, I can name a bunch of people. I won't do that because of course we don't have the permission, but I um I know who you're speaking of. I know I know, I know at least I, two of them. You know, she she you brought know, you know a bunch of them and yes. I it's it's unbelievable the different people that like that, that connect through creativity and that's more than just being um having a heartbeat and 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 you know being in a body. I mean, it's like it's more or less just like people's consciousness coming together because they just are closer They're They're supposed to be for some reason or other. We are like people were supposed to be right. Yeah. Like there's some reason or another there's like, there are reasons that like, I mean, people like I'm still, I've not lost one client that I've shared with Nevada that Nevada has given me not one. And why? Because I'm so similar to a lot of the people that she referred me right and I think that that it was as a, a special thing and it's a, and it's telling that she was a special person and she was very creative and she was very like <laughs> like independent and 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 just a, on a higher level and frequency than most people I think because she had this group of different people from oddballs to 
to people who were specific to her first roommate when she came out here to her writer's group to, I mean, it's, I think that that's like, that's one of the things I love about creativity too, is it brings people together that don't belong together, quote unquote, that you might not think belong together, Mm -hmm. but do. And I think it's like, uh, this is us type, you right. know, you know, uh, Mosaic series yeah. type thing. And it's like, she was, you know, one person that brought all these people into my life who I actually truly cherish. And I think it's because we all had this like common thing and it was, um, a creative outlet. It was being open. It was, sharing it was laughing it was crying it was right you know it was not crying I you know it was um she was a special person and she like definitely embodied the the world of uh creativity I think stream of consciousness and I think humor she was like probably one of the funniest people when she for sure. Her and I had conversations that I've never had with anyone else, and they wouldn't even make sense, even if I were to tell you, but just a small example that's appropriate. Well, there's no such thing as inappropriate, I would argue. But anyways, we would talk about, like, you know when you shave your legs and, like, down by your ankle, it's always hard to catch those hairs, and, like, you yeah. forget about them, and then, like, three days later, you look down and you've got, like, giant black hairs on your ankles. So Nevada and I would laugh about that because we call them ankle beards. That's actually great. Yeah. Goatee almost. I yeah. probably have a goatee right now. And then, um, yeah, I could go into some other stuff, but I'm going to not. But yeah. uh, we had such specific conversations about those kind of things. Like she was not, and she was also excellent at being in the moment. Like the whole time, most of the time when I met her, she had a serious boyfriend, but she never made me feel as if some people do when they're in a relationship, like you're just filler while there's significant others out of the room right? and or whatever. Like if Nevada was decided you were her friend and you were with her, you were a hundred percent with her and she wasn't letting you out. Like it was almost like intense. It was like a She's magnetic. Very strong. And yeah. It was I like, would, a, I would explain that too. Yeah. Yeah. A magnetic pull. Like we're doing this, but like you were just, like she was a Pied Piper, I I used to say. She just drew so many people to her. And, like, to your point, I still – there's a lot of people in my life that are because of her. And the only reason I know them is because of her and some of those people I met even after she had died. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know them. Like, one of her good friends is my friend Kim. And Kim and I did not know each other. But Nevada would always say, oh, my friend Kim, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I met her after she died. But now we, like, hang out all the time. And it's just – uh, we don't That's talk. Me. Yeah, we don't talk about Nevada all the time, but it's nice to have that familiarity. If I feel like saying something about Nevada, then somebody knows what the hell I'm talking about. And I think nothing happens without reason. And I know this sounds like crazy, but it doesn't matter if you're. We're. I'm gonna just throw up pop culture, like what I just saw on Google today. Apparently, Ben Affleck flew off the wagon and had a sip of alcohol again. Well, guess what? Nothing happens for a re- like for no reason. It happens for a reason. He is going through a struggle. He had a situation. You know, you meet somebody. It's it's no um. It's it's not a coincidence that people come and go or things happen in your life. Yeah. And here's the deal. I'm saying this right now, but I have a hard time believing it a lot. 
And that's what I work on all the time. And I, my, my wife is very evolved in this and she works on it a lot. And she's really good at turning my brain around when I like want to go down the rabbit hole of like being a chronic negative person or whatever. But, you know, when things happen, whether you lose a friend, whether you have a friend, whether they left you because they just, you know, have a boyfriend that they want to spend time with that person's in your life and it, and it's no coincidence and it's supposed to be the, exactly the way it's supposed to be. And, and that's just life. And like, I think if you don't find a way to navigate, like, I guess, you know, your empathy, your creativity, I mean, mm-hmm. your mind is, I know like multifaceted. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, people and things come in and out of your life for reasons and they, other people show up and other people leave. And I think ultimately things happen because they're supposed to happen. And hopefully at some point you know, you learn to work on yourself. And I mean, I've been like up and down on that, like, you know, road myself, like a lot, like just working on myself. Like you said, the accountability, that's my biggest thing. And that's my biggest downfall. Yeah. Not so much with my work, like, you know, like your work, if we both show up and we're creative <laughs> for a paycheck for sure, but like for our own selves. Yeah. That doesn't, in- I mean, that externally motivates me. And obviously I want to do a good job intrinsically while mm-hmm. I'm doing it, but it doesn't make my soul happy. No, but what does is like having these life experiences and going back to what we said about, you know, um, sharing um, somebody else's story in life is so fascinating. It's like, you know, having Nevada and, and, and her friends and how that whole circle of life happens and how the whole like circle of friendship and all that stuff is supposed to be. Right. And it's just like how you can get out of it and move past it and, 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 and to fuel you is, that's kind of like a life's work. It's like, it's not something that you can just, after this podcast, we're going to be like, all right. <laughs> Solved I'm it. I'm getting up tomorrow an hour early and I'm going to just start writing. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just one of those things like you just have to be cognizant of it because like creativity and being cognitive, they're, they're totally different. Right. I don't know about you, but like my creativity comes from my stomach. It doesn't really come from my IQ. Well, I was talking I'm a grammatic, like I, I like to write. I'm a writer, but if you want to like, like you roll over right now if you read how poor my grammar is. No, but what I the counter to that is what I will say is what I said to one of my aunts. She's not going to listen to this anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to write a book, and um, her grammar, etc isn't great, but she's a really good storyteller. So what I told her, and by the way, she did publish a book and it was all about my grandma and my, and uh, anyways, she published a book, but I told her the good news is that you're a good storyteller. Like creativity in this case would need to supersede the fact that maybe you don't spell everything correctly or it's not grammatically correct. Can you tell a story and is it interesting? Mm -hmm. Is really 99% more important than if you spelled everything right because you're not writing it as an accountant. No, it's not a balance you, sheet. It doesn't. Can you tell it with feeling. You know, I. Empathy. Yeah, Again, you have yeah. to make people care because that's the thing about memoir. Like it might be someone's personal story, but unless it has a bigger story behind it, 
nobody gives a shit. Do you know what I'm saying? They have to make somebody feel. And I think also, like, I mean, I have nans. We do my aunts. Like, uh, my aunt Cheryl, it's when she tells a story, I can look in her eyes and know 100% she's not in present day. Right. I, it's unbelievable how I can see whether it's like when she was like in her like teens or in her thirties, she's there. Like she tells a story and it's like so descriptive, so right on that I look at her and I can see her eyes are almost glossed over because she's really not even there. Right. She has no idea what a storyteller she could be. Right. You know, not a lot of people can tap into that or want to tap into it. That's what I'm saying. have the courage to. That part can't be taught. The no. grammar part can grammar be taught, can, whatever. You can or you can, you can pay an that. editor and they'll exactly. clean it up for you. Yeah. However, it can't be so bad that it's like you can't figure out what the person's trying to say. Like they have to be able to articulate it enough that you get the flow. And I think that like the flow, like going back to your accountability month that I'm going to really sleep on tonight. <laughs> And I'm going to hopefully ask yourself what's holding you back because I will tell you what's holding me back. I'm telling you I'm going to do it, but I'm scared. Of course I'm scared because A, I I have to be vulnerable. B, I actually have to produce some stuff, but I have the capability to do both. So there isn't really an excuse. I'll have to watch less Netflix. But I keep thinking about like when I'm dead, what are they going to write on there? Oh, she watched a lot of Netflix. Or do Mm -hmm. I want to leave something for people to remember me with you know what I mean yeah so um, I mean that's pretty much the same it's like it's um I'm full of excuses my excuses I could have a laundry list of right. excuses but so could everybody that's what I'm saying it comes down you know. to what's important mm-hmm. and at some point it has to be more important than me wanting to watch Netflix I'm always going to watch Netflix. They're not sponsoring this either oh, man, it's my, <laughs> Netflix is my best friend I mean I don't even think I have friends anymore I'm like should I call some of my friends and tell them I'm still alive? Like, I, I'm alive. I'm just right in the middle of Dynasty, the original, okay? And it's a long, there's 40 episodes in one season. I started trying to watch the original Dallas. Oh, my God. It's only an hour, right? But Only an hour now? Right. No, but I'm saying now. an hour, but, like, with so without the commercials, Leg- um, air quotes 45 minutes it felt like it was three hours long because the pacing was so slow you gotta switch the dynasty it, there it's was so like good. there was this ridiculous episode where all the ewing family was tied up like by these robbers but it was like in the middle of the day and they're all just like like these grown men are just like tied up and all sitting there helpless i'm like this is really not plausible <laughs> like there's ranch hands there's like 50 people that work on this ranch but yet somehow they've sequestered the entire ewing family into this cod like into you the living room switch it to dynasty but here's the problem uh, dynasty is like i never watched books. dynasty i didn't either my mom wouldn't let me but now i just started re-watching it um because my wife is um <laughs> wanted to do it and she watched a little bit of it i think she got to sneak peeks when she was younger but you know, it's funny. Dynasty is one of those um, very, very long-running shows that right. not only went for multiple, multiple years, but also so many episodes in one season. So, I mean, we're talking about your best-selling book that would be like 350 pages. Right. And Dynasty's <laughs> like the trilogy of like Chronicles, Chronicles of Narnia. Do you right. know what I mean? It's like, it, you, 
It's a don't even get into it actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you'll be a nomad. I won't be, be a ready. Girlfriend or something. Yeah. Like people will be like, what happened to Kelly? And Dynasty. I have to take breaks. I watch about six episodes and then I take a break from it. But, yeah. But no, I think um, you're right. Making that time and, uh, you know, just showing up. And there was something, there was that uh, documentary that a family friend of mine was in um, called It Might Get Loud. And The Edge from YouTube was in it. And uh, I don't listen to YouTube. But the edge is the guitar player, and he I loved what he said as like a multi-millionaire and multi-platinum artist. He says that he shows up when he's not on tour. He shows up every day to his um personal little studio where he has all of his like guitar, you know, uh pedals and everything hooked up. He shows up every day and he tries to make something happen. And what I thought was so cool and so real about that is that he actually said, sometimes I, I walk out of there feeling like a fuck, like a, like a piece of shit. Like I, I did nothing. Right. Like I suck. And then sometimes he actually comes up with the rip to the new song. And I think that that's like the kind of balance you need to have is like, just set some, like some time aside to like show up. It's very comforting because uh, he's obviously world famous, traveled the world, musician, makes all this money, and I go through the exact same process, and I'm just a, a writer in yeah. a small town, and my mom says the same thing. She's an artist. We've, we've laughed about this before, and I'm sure you've experienced this. She'll, like, do a painting, and she'll go to bed. She'll, like, look at it and be like, oh, that's pretty good, right? And then she goes to sleep, and then she wakes up in the morning and looks at the same painting and says, who the fuck painted this piece of shit, right? And I will do the same thing. And sometimes it's a reverse. Like, you think it's terrible, and then you just go to bed, and you're defeated, and you're like, life is, sucks. I'm a hack. You wake up, and then you read or look at whatever you've created, and you're like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. But you just, I think. The creative brain just sometimes it just wants to, yeah, Yeah. and it just doesn't wants to just, um, I don't know, lie to you or whatever. But I also think that mechanism is what keeps everybody humble because if you're walking around thinking you're amazing all the time, then there's nothing for you to learn, and you probably honestly are terrible. Yeah, and what I learned from that um, documentary, it might get loud, is um, is that you got to show up. And, right. and, and here's the thing is um, I, I get knocked off. I get derailed a lot where I just don't show up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm upset with myself because I'm not doing anything creative and I have all these ideas and I'm not doing it. And so I do the same thing. It's like, you know, showing up and like hearing this person who is worth multi, multi, multi millions and could quit right now still shows up like daily when he's not on tour and walks out of there feeling like he is a schmuck because he couldn't come up with anything is so nice to hear because it gives people that are in that process, but, but, um, stuck. Right. And the only difference between him and say you at the current moment is that he showed up and actually, Put himself out there. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you. Showing up. And and that's more important than money. That's more. I mean, because. I mean, let's face it. I I, I have. I I know too many people with a lot of money. 
that money is not the happiness. It's, it's doing what you love to do. And a lot of us can make excuses to not do what we love to do because we don't feel like we're worthy enough to have that joy that we get from doing it. And I think just showing up is the most important thing. And, and like that parallel universe of a world right. where you live in that's not, that doesn't have bills or anything like that Yeah, is worth showing up for. 100% creative control is huge, mm-hmm. at least until you get a publisher. But, you know, that's like cynic. Because I always make the joke like, oh, I'd love to write a book, but then I don't want to be the center of attention ever. And I have to go on a book tour, but I guess I could deal with that later because I have to get off my ass and actually do something. Because, like, David Sedaris, he's just a nondescript dude. I love and him. And he, you know, he tours the world. I mean, he's made his living doing that. It's not like writers have the kind of fame where you're going to get mobbed at the airport. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I have no desire to be famous. I don't even have any desire to – I guess I would like to write a book and have it be published and have people enjoy it. But that's where the extent of my thought process about it has gone. Because yeah. no, it has nothing to do with – world to claim in fact I would like shy away from that part but I I wouldn't not do it I just it's weird to say but you can just like feel that that's what you're supposed to be doing and you're when you're not doing it you feel like you're betraying yourself or at least that's what I feel like sometimes and then you could go down a rabbit hole of of other things and um, for me it'd be drinking um unhealthy eating not working out like yeah but all those things it's kind yeah. of like when all the wheels fall off the bus they all fall off mm-hmm. and when they're on the bus they're doing great but like it's rare to get everything going in the same direction. I mean, we talked about how brilliant Ernest Hemingway was, which he was, but he was also mentally ill and, and committed yeah. suicide. And yeah. so did everyone in his family. So uh, that's a whole other topic for another day. But creative people, I feel, go right up to against the line between genius and madness. Yeah. And the, the line's pretty thin. So you need those grounded things like you're talking about, like your wife and your stepson. You need you – need, I think creative people generally need stability to fly. And structure. And structure. Yeah. Because if you don't have it, then you're just like fucking Hunter S. Thompson shooting eight balls and whatever. Which I loved his books, <laughs> but I don't want to live it. You right. know, and maybe a weekend. I just want I like was a- actually listening, you know who popped up I was listening to it was on Shuffle on my um on my uh like Apple Play is Rhea, Rhea mm-hmm. Elias's mm-hmm. song, um, Touch the Ground or something. I forget the exact name, but it was like her singing one of her songs before she passed away. And I was thinking, you know, that she was a cool woman. I mean, she, Rhea embodied everything about being cool. Yeah. You I only get, met her the one time, but yeah, sure with, did. when Liz spoke at um, that place in Warren and, right. um, Rhea embodied the coolness that anyone could ever have. But the cool thing was, is like she showed up and she was loving and she did exactly everything that we talked about. It's weird that I'm even like finishing talking about this with and, and having Rhea in it because she did.
Did you feel like you met her for the first time, or did you feel like you knew her when you met her? It was weird because I had never seen her before in my life, and I felt like, oh, hey, there's. I, I had, a, I guess, a sense of familiarity because she was your friend, but she was, like, so welcoming. And then when I met Liz Gilbert, she um, – sorry for the name drop <laughs> – but she was there, and we were there for her speech. She was like, oh, have I met you before? And she hugged me, Liz Gilbert. And I've never seen her before in my yeah. life. And I said no. But she was like, so there was no artifice. There was no, no. like, pretension. There was none of that. And the two of them together, uh, it was like this, like a like a bubble of, I don't even know how to explain it without sounding, like, ridiculous. But, like, glowing yes. happiness and, like, this effervescent spirit. Of flow. Yeah. And do you remember... Other than them saying that you couldn't, like... Oh, but pause. I also think that was the first time I met your wife. Oh, no, that's not true. I met her at, um, you guys were in a fight, <laughs> the Tegan and Sarah show. Oh, but yeah. But she was your girlfriend then. Yeah, she was. And I was yeah, with my I, cousin. I vaguely even remember that. That's so funny, but I do remember it now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, when we were in the back, remember, other than, I think, we could have anything except meatballs or something. Or, right, there was something remember? about the meatballs. Liz was like, oh, please have some food. We have everything. And I, or she specifically called out the meatballs. It was the meatballs or something. But it was like you couldn't have one because they were taking one of them home. I forget. I think it was the meatballs. But then after they got over, like, okay, you can eat everything <laughs> but except, like, the meatballs or the mac and cheese, whatever it was. And, like, how, you know – you know, Rhea and Liz both were asking what you felt from what they said. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. That's worth no money. Right. Money means nothing. It's And that's what's cool about creativity and being around other creative people just to kind of wrap this up in like a, you know, like a, a, cool way is like a semi-tattered bow that yeah. you're trying to tie but you've got one eye on the road if you're totally <laughs> but like you know it's seeing like Rhea I, I don't know how much Rhea made off her music or whatever but she was so talented she had she was so talented and so lovable and and she really expressed herself in so many different ways and it's really like kind of like a Nevada thing where it's like you have these strong personalities that that it just express themselves the way they wanted to express themselves. And it's something to look up to and something very cool. And I think um, because I was on my way here and I heard Rhea's song come out, I thought, it was, this is no coincidence. This right. is like. It's Rhea telling you to move your ass. Because yeah. you're a unicorn too, Sarah. You have that gift. Thank you. So you need to do something with it. <laughs> I think that's my challenge for like the what is it called month? Nano Rimo. I don't know National Novel Writing Month, but I'm gonna broaden that to you can do a song, or you can be working on your play, and you don't have to publicly, but you can send it to me. But you need to be accountable to somebody. So you can be accountable to me. I'm gonna challenge you right now to be accountable to me, and I will do the same. I'll probably be publicly posting mine. I probably overshare people like who gives a shit. Yeah, you worked out good for you, but like it actually I actually love that you do that because you know what? let me tell you, every time you do that, I'm like, I'm a lazy ass. <laughs> I'm like, Kelly's out there every day, like on a walk with her dog, 
or at the gym hitting it hard or with her trainer and here I am looking at her doing that and accomplishing. <laughs> I'm like, go Kelly. I'm like, and my fucking ass is like my cousin said the same thing to me. She's like, girl, you got this. I can't do what you do, but I but I cheer you on. I go, bullshit, you can do what I do. I started from nothing. Like I wasn't doing any of it and I just slowly started one day at a time, period. Like that's all. It's not like I did anything extraordinary that anyone else couldn't do. I just... Little by little. Yeah. And your brain just has to flip that switch and be like, this is happening. And you just have to make it a priority. So I got that part under control. I'll continue to do that. But I have to apply that same discipline now to my creative pursuits because yeah, I'm in my... It's scarier with the creative pursuits. Oh, my God. It's so scary. Because I'm in my early 40s and it's not. I'm not getting any younger. But then again, it's like, oh, J.K. Rowling, you know, Harry Potter, she wrote her book at 55, whatever. But, like, I don't yeah. have an excuse. I don't have a reason. I don't have children. There's, there could always be an excuse. Well, but we all have to silence our inner critic. I mean. I mean, I, so after Nevada died, I, and my dad died three months later. So I was in a pretty dark I, time. I remember that, girl. Yeah. It was, I'll never forget it. It was pretty bad. And my therapist, so I, I decided, okay, I need to go to some grief counseling, clearly. So, um, anyways, the, I think it was our first session, and I knew I liked this woman because she was kind of no-nonsense. She wasn't like one of those, and how does that make you feel? She was more like, well, that sucks. And I'm like, yes. yes, don't you want to hear that yes. sometimes? So, like, don't uh, figure it out for me. Just tell me it's that sucks. Yeah, just tell me it sucks, and then let's move on. So, anyways, um, when we were done with our first session, I, I must have – I don't even know what I said to her, but apparently at some point I mentioned I was a writer, and she goes – she says to me, um, I know this is going to sound weird after everything you've said, but um, so you're a writer. And I said, yeah. And she's like, and you write stories? And I said, yeah. And she goes, do you think you're a good writer? And I said, actually, I know I am. Like, I don't know a lot, but I know that. She's like, well, I'm going to tell you this. And she's like, I know it's going to sound weird, but you need to be writing. I mean, this is a therapist. And that was like our first session. And then she said, you know, I'm reading Tina Faye's book, and she's hilarious. And I go, yeah, she's awesome. And she Bossy goes, pants. Yeah. She's like, but you're, funny, you're funnier than her. You are. And I said, really? And she's like, I'm serious. And so she's like, you need to be writing. But that was five or six years ago. And, yes, I write, but I don't, I don't put it out. But putting it out is a problem for after yeah. I've actually created the content. So I need to actually just create the content. Because to your point, that's literally what makes my soul happy. Like, when I was in junior high, my friends were all, oh, I want this boyfriend, this boyfriend. I In my head, I was like, I'm going to be a copywriter. And that's what I do for a living. Right. I, I actually manifested that. I did it. So I know I could do it, but I just need to actually fucking do it. There's no other. There's do you? So here's one more thing. Do you, like, I was like that with music. Do you? I stopped dreaming, and I'm starting to get my dreams back, which is really cool. And when I mean dreaming, I'm not talking about a dream where I'm falling asleep. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about before bed, going to bed, and, like, visualizing the person that I want to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. what does that person do? What are they saying? Yeah. What are they doing? I used to do that all the time. Like, before I opened for Tegan and Sarah and Josh Kelly and all these big names, I could go on, but I'm not going to. It's before I even knew three chords, I was dreaming about doing this. Right. I would go to bed every night and that's what I would dream about. Yeah. But guess what? Like something happened 
where I quit dreaming about it. And I would just go to bed. And I quit dreaming. And then it hit me not too long ago, maybe a couple few months ago. I don't dream anymore. You think you're like settling into, I don't want to say middle age. No, I think I'm settling into. uh, Complacency? uh, Yes. Yeah. That's that's exactly the word that I was going to like. I was going to say like mediocre, like mediocrity or something like that. But like, yes. And. Yeah, my life is good. My life, and I'm, I I love the people that are in my life, blah, blah, blah. But you still have to have that dream. And if you don't have that dream, I think you're not going to have that fire, that, that like, flame that helps that dream happen. You know? Cause right, you need that. You in need your to go to bed dreaming. Burning fire. I used to. Think so, that you mentioned manifestation, so yeah, I was like. I used to dream to that dream. I would, like, be on a book tour. And like I said, I literally – I'm not a person that's like, oh, hey, everyone, pay attention to me. I'm, I'm the opposite of that. I don't really want you to pay attention. I just kind of want to blend into the background. However, I used to envision myself, like, on a book tour at a bookstore and my husband or boyfriend, what have you, would be in the front row because I'm up there. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. and I don't, I, don't, I don't do that anymore either. Isn't that, that – that is what I noticed at this age – is what changed because I was like, what happened to me? Like, why don't I have that burning sensation to get up and do this or do whatever? And I realized like a few months ago that like I quit dreaming. I quit dreaming altogether. And I've been doing it more. I've been doing it more in my car lately. Now, in your dream, are you a musician? Are you being recognized for being a playwright? Well, I wouldn't even call it my, like, so... It's everything. Okay. It's, it's so just being well-known because you're such not a... Not even well-known. It's, like, a different circumstances. Like, so, like, I was, um, I was... Because you have the least ego of anyone I've known. And, like, even your, quote-unquote, name-dropping, you're, like, the opposite of name-dropper. You'll just be, like, cutting oh, my no. hair. Oh, no. If you ask Danielle, you'll be, like, Danielle. My wife is, like, you name-drop, like, everybody. I'm, like, well, these are people I know. Right, but, but yeah, I I, I do name drop sometimes, but but you do it in such it's never like oh it's not like you're ever doing it to grandize yourself. I just pronounced that wrong. I've had two glasses of wine. Anyways, you only do it in context like for myself. You were like, you know, blah blah blah. I have a drag connection to Elizabeth Gilbert. Are you gonna fucking write your book or not? Like you were bullying me, and I was like, you're right. Like literally though, I could in some alternate universe, I could give you a you know, manuscript and you could get it to her. You know what I'm saying? Like, so God, to your earlier point, God, you're in my life and there's gotta be a reason for that. So if I don't, if we don't help each other, I, I, I don't know. You need some trees cut down. I know some guys. (laughs) But like, no, but going back to the dreaming is the dreaming though, is like, I think the most important thing is whether it's like you're just sitting there thinking about it, but visualizing yourself being that person you want to be. Yeah. Whether it's on stage. I mean, I, like, just like, honestly, the last month I've been on a Elton John, I'm still standing kick. And I can actually like tell you, and I'm not embarrassed of it at all. 
I, I, I do want to be a life coach or not a life coach. I do want to be a, uh, a coach for hairstylists that are up and coming just to help them out period. But I mean, I've been visualizing on my way to work, me coming out and speaking in front of a crowd of people and me walking out to I'm still standing. That's a dream. Right. Having that, like. But you've been doing that for years already, even if it's not, you know, without the soundtrack. But every time I've, you've been cutting my hair for 10 plus years and there's always a new assistant. So I always think to myself, Sarah must be a really good teacher because she's always, you're either volunteering to be that mentor or people are drawn to you for that reason or, or both. But, but just that visualization, just that thought of like, this could be me. And I remember being young and like going to bed, listening to Sarah McLachlan's like songs, like I could ever sing like her or play the piano. But I would pretend I was her performing it and people were my audience. You do have the same name. We do. We got to yes, start. Thank you. That's so nice. That's so thoughtful. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It was like, it was a dream and it's a dream. And, and I remember telling a friend when I first heard Tegan and Sarah's album, um, if it was you, I said to my friend, I said, I will open for these people. I only knew three chords. And I said, I will open for these people. And you did. I did within a year. See? And the woman I, I work with her, she's actually at the salon that I work with now. And I actually told her, I said, as soon as I got this album, I told her, I'm going to open for these girls. Within one year, and I dreamt of it, I opened for, I was opening for them. So that was, and I was your and destiny. I was getting asked to play other shows with them. And here's the deal. I stopped dreaming. I don't know when, maybe 15 years ago, 12 years ago. I don't know. Maybe when I started to have a family, and I'm not blaming it on my family. It's you have to have balance, but you still have to have your dreams as a separate person. Yeah. And I think if you don't dream, it's not going to happen. It's true. So what would be your dream now then? My dream. We'll, we'll end on this. A little Martin Luther King. <laughs> he, he had a, still standing. Did, did you, I, I just watched his, um, he just wrote a biography. Really? Elton John. And I just watched. Um, Rocket Man. It was excellent. It was amazing. But yeah. I, I was shocked at how appallingly terrible his parents treated oh, him. I think the biggest thing I got from that movie is that his father was so jealous that his son was a prodigy in 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 music because his father clearly at the very beginning they show that his father loved jazz and loved music and when he found out his son was a prodigy he couldn't he was so jealous of his son he pushed him away i don't think it had anything to do with being gay i think it had everything to do about but his father mother, what was her excuse because she was just a straight i think she was a bitch. submissive evil bitch I'm i mean that. he just 100%. He So Elton John just wrote a book based on that movie. I forget what it's called. Anyways, it got Audible, so I got like five credits stacked up. So I'll probably, again, because I like people's real stories, mm -hmm. he, 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 I might listen to him tell it also. But 
Um, yeah, we've been rambling for quite a while. So let's just end on. I know, it's just going to be hard for you to edit. Gosh. I know. <laughs> let's now, just, nothing's easy when it's no, with me. We can come back. You bring Danielle. I'll talk to her about her skincare. Oh, yeah. yeah. She that. would love to. But Danielle, I, she's she shy? good because she'll. Well, she's painfully shy. However. But not when you get to talk to her. Right. Because I was so, going to say, I've only met her once. Well, I technically met her twice. I met her for five seconds at a concert, and she said hi, but you guys were in the middle of a fight, and it was like yeah. a thing. <laughs> I could just tell something was happening. Like, let me just move. Um, but when we went to that Liz Gilbert thing, I was sitting next to her, and she talked to me the entire time. Because Danielle, and this is the thing I think I love about Danielle, and, and, and if you ever have her on, I think you guys will have a very on-point conversation because Danielle is – she stays on Route Sissy Six the whole time. <laughs> right. She was. Do you know very, what I mean? Yeah. She doesn't take an exit off and go in the truck and and, and go and grab the ambulance. No, she's yeah. like, yeah. I'm like, oh, let's go into the tourist I, area. I'm like you. I'm like, oh, let's go over here. Danielle's like on she, Route Sissy Six the whole time. She'll talk to you about like things, and she's very passionate. And she doesn't like to talk about weather. She doesn't like to talk about stupid things that are like just boring. She likes to talk. I'm similar. She, so if you remember, it was a creativity workshop kind of because Liz was. Oh, yeah. And you guys are partners. And she was my partner. Yeah. Yeah. And she kept saying, I don't even know what I'm supposed to write. And I was like, well, that doesn't matter. And then like, not that I thought she was lying, but then like it would be done. And I've got like some literally some gibberish and I'm the writer. And she's got like this articulate, like three page thing about what the hell. And I'm like. Uh, why were you worried exactly? Because I wrote a bunch of fucking gibberish because I really did. It was like, blah, blah, blah. I, it was like, tell your inner eight-year-old what you wish it knew or whatever. And I was like, um, you're cute. It's okay. Or something. Yeah, yeah. And Danielle had like this four-page dissertation about what her eight, inner eight-year-old was going to do with her life. Like it was very laid out. I don't know. I do remember there was no small talk. She's Other than a small talk. She's like, hi, how are you? Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. And then it was like, okay, now here's my inner soul here we go let's, yeah. let's do this now and I'm like okay but I I sincerely appreciated that because you guys were like really welcoming and um I, I had like I said I had never met her before in my life and a lot of times no matter who you're sitting next to it goes sideways because I always tend to overshare and then the person looks really uncomfortable mm-hmm. whereas Danielle I kept doing that and she just like yeah I got you and then she would just like tell me something yeah, she loves that I mean she thrives on that like if we were at a wedding or if we were somewhere and you know how you go into a room and like you have conversations with people that's like very superficial. Yeah. Danielle can't work a room like that. Right. She is more into intellectual conversations and all that kind of thing. So you, if you ever had her on about her skincare or whatever, if she would like to come on, Oh, she would love to. Okay. I think I hope. Um, you can talk but, me up when you get home. Be like, Kelly's all right. She's okay. But she, yeah, it's she'll and, and she'll keep you online. Like me, I, I mean, we took like at least fourteen bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah, you know. But um, I think that yeah, the uh, authenticity of like who people are and and what people do and uh, their uh, is that what own journey is that what drew you to her. Her, like her, like what specifically? You know what? What drew me to her at first, of course, was her beautiful Beauty. blue eyes. Yeah. 
It was not her beauty all around. It was her eyes and the way she looked at me. But then on top of that, at first, our first couple dates, she was so shy. I thought, this girl, I don't know. Right. I can't get a word out of her. (laughs) And then I think once I cracked her shell, it was like, oh, my God, she's way smarter than most people I know. Yeah. And funny. Yeah. And, you know, so I think it was a little bit of everything. And, and she has a brain that I wish I had. She she has balance. She's can be analytical and logical. And then she can be totally creative and funny and everything. I mean, it's almost I'm jealous of her brain. Yeah. I and tell I, her I, on a weekly basis I'm jealous of her brain. Yeah. I don't have that. I don't either. I mean, I got a little bit of the analytical, but I'm pretty much like 85% creative. Me too. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I did have a psychic for what to tell me that I was like a really practical Gemini. She's like, you're the most practical Gemini I've ever met. And I'm like. Okay. Maybe that's what you need to look for. Let's just go back to like the dating apps. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Let's go full circle here. Okay, yeah. Maybe you need someone who's like a CPA type dude. Right. My mom always used to tell me that. Like I needed like. You know, because like Danielle is so opposite of me. Like, someone to keep me grounded so that I can fly. Do you know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like, when you're creative, you kind of need someone, like, normal. And my mom always used to tell me I was really dramatic, which I took offense to. But she doesn't mean it like I'm a drama girl. But, like, my emotions swing high and low and high yeah, and low. mine too. And that's what she meant. And, like, she would always tell me I need to meet someone that was, like, even keeled so that they were not upset and or weirded out by my, like, mood swings. I'm not, like, mad love that movie with <laughs> – I don't have a mental illness, but I no, do. No, I'm the same way, but I do think that, like, to have the yin to your yang is very important. I think so. Um, so the dinner bell is dinging once again, so I think Sarah and I are going to turn this off. Cause this been, like, Peace an out, hour everyone. I feel out. bad for Kelly because she's going to have to edit probably half this shit out. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on. Love uh, it you. It was a pleasure. Love you, too. I'll, I, I look forward to our next uh, conversation. <laughs> Me, too. Bye, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. And there should be another Weirdo Magnet episode uh, sometime in the next week or two. And then I'm going to try again to get back on a more regular schedule with these um And I guess that's it. If you have any topics or ideas that you want to listen or you want to hear me talk about, shoot me an email. Or why don't you just send me a voicemail because people love to leave those. Anyways, um, if you are listening to this, you probably at least can text me. Let me know. Um, Bye, everybody.
Let's